This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we have yet another one of our guests that are outside the United States. For some reason, we seem to have this really big following of folks from Australia. I think maybe I need to go on a road trip and just go do a bunch of live interviews. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be so much fun? Um, But please join me today in welcoming Bronwyn Shortino to our program today. Welcome, Bronwyn. Thanks, Deb. I'm really, really uh, excited to be here today, and I'm really looking forward to where our conversation is going to take us. You know, and it was funny, we were chatting before the program and discovering that in many ways, we're very similar. Um, and, you know, it, and and that's what was getting me so excited when I was reading your book and, and preparing for the program. You know, I'm going through, going, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, tell it, sister, there, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and because... It was, you know, we, we do have far more similarities than, than, you know, maybe a lot of the people that you interact with, but it's, it's so much fun and, and so interesting. But before we really jump in, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Bronwyn Shortino is an author and simplicity expert who spent almost two decades as a high-powered, award-winning executive before experiencing a life-changing event that forced her to stop and ask the question, what if there's a better way to live? Through a journey of self-discovery, Bronwyn gained the knowledge and wisdom to write, Keep It Super Simple, Tips from a Recovering Perfectionist, and to step away from a traditional life. Working globally through corporate programs, conference platforms, retreats, professional mentoring, and in the online environment, Bronwyn teaches people how easy it is to live life differently. So again, Bronwyn, welcome. Thank you. You know, and... I love this concept that you were, you know, this high-powered executive, and wham, something happened, um, you yeah. know, and to, to really change. And, and you know, the, the first thing is I was reading your materials. One of the things that, that kind of occurred to me, do you see that you tend to work more with women than with men? Yeah, it's interesting. I get asked this question a lot. <laughs> because uh, women, women think we're, we have to do everything perfect, right? Uh, yes, um, I agree with you. Um, but I also feel that more and more the guys out there are struggling just as much because right. their role in life has changed and um, is very different from the way that it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they are in a lot of ways just as lost mm-hmm. uh, as as us girls are. Right. So um, originally, when you know my business started, I, I absolutely thought that I would be working with women, and mm-hmm. actually, it's turning out that it's about twenty five percent, twenty twenty five percent guys to seventy five percent girls. Right. You know, and I would imagine it, it is exactly as you said that men 
you know, they've, they've always had these issues, you know, that, that they want to be perfect. They want to do the best job they possibly can, all these various things. But of course, their ego is what gets in the way, um, you know, and, and, and all these various things. And, and women, you know, we do, you know, there is that book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or, you know, whatever that one was. We do have different mindsets, but especially at the executive level, we do tend to think we have to be perfect. We can't, uh, while we can delegate, because that is part of how, in many cases, we got to be executives, is we knew, you know, we need to delegate, we need to do all of these things, but we can't admit that we need help. Um, and, you know, and, and, and we do think we have to do it all. We have to be the perfect parent, the perfect spouse, the perfect executive, the perfect business owner, whatever it is. And, you know, I, I, I joke frequently on my program that, you know, we have 28 hours every day and there's eight days a week. It seems like we have to squinch all of that, you know, in that time period. And we just end up being overwhelmed. And so you work with people to really show them how to simplify their life. Um, so let's, but let's go back a little bit because you founded this company called Chic Life. So tell us a little bit more about your story and, and you know, what led you down this path? Yeah, so I, um, as, as you um, talked about when you um, so beautifully introduced me, um, I spent nearly two decades working as um, in, in um, the executive roles in mm-hmm. the corporate world. And, uh, you know, like everyone, I was indestructible and I just pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely swallowed the belief hook, line and sinker that you must be stressed and exhausted before you're allowed to be successful. Right. Uh, and um, for about 12 years, I existed on about two hours a night's sleep. Oh, so, um, you know, all of a sudden I found myself um, sitting in front of a dermatologist mm-hmm. who told me that uh, there was, I had a, a sort of a patch of what I had been told was psoriasis on my left temple. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting in front of a dermatologist who's saying to me that's not psoriasis, it's actually a skin cancer and oh. you're going to need plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for most people, when they hear me say that, they're like, oh, wow, that must have been the turning point for you. And I just sort of have a little giggle to myself and say, uh, no, that was the point where I just was annoyed because there was something else that I had to fit into my day. Mm-hmm. And right. I didn't, I, you know, I was far too busy to let anything as, you know, insignificant, in inverted commas, as cancer in my head to stop me. So, um, you know, I just scheduled half a day. Um for six centimetres of my head to cut out oh. and uh, and then promptly went home from the hospital in the afternoon and straight back on my laptop working, mm-hmm. doing, you know, everyone else is looking after everyone else, um, you know, running around and sorting everybody else out while I had a bandage stapled to my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of days later I went back to my surgeon for my post-operative checkup. They took all the staples and the stitches out and I saw my reflection for the first time after the surgery with, you know, everything off my head. And um, it was like looking at a reflection where a quarter of my head was missing. Oh, my. And the shock of that, mm-hmm. um, just that seeing that reflection, I just wasn't prepared for it. 
-hmm. even though you know they, the surgeon had talked me through what would happen and I just had no concept of just how severe it mm -hmm. would look right uh, and, the sh and the shock that I got from that just completely dropped me mm -hmm. um, and it's like somebody clicked their fingers and in that moment my entire world shattered around me mm -hmm. and I went from fully functioning award-winning executive to on the floor unable to get up and mm -hmm. unable to stop crying uh, and um, I couldn't uh, I couldn't exist in everyday society I couldn't you know I couldn't actually cope with uh, anything or anyone around me mm -hmm. uh, and I couldn't I just could not cognitively function so I couldn't process any of the questions that people were asking me, people were trying to say, what, you know, what's going on? What, what are you feeling? What's wrong? What's happening? And I literally couldn't process what they were asking me. And I, I was looking at these people speaking to me. It was like they were speaking to me in another language and I was mm -hmm. just completely lost. Um, but because I didn't understand what was going on, I had no way of communicating that to them. I was literally, it's like I lost all my intelligence in, mm -hmm. in seconds. Um, and so that began a process for me of uh, uh, years worth of recovery, mm -hmm. um, working with um, specialist grief counsellors, um, clinical psychologists, and I also explored um, energy healing, so energy medicine, mm -hmm. um, side by side with traditional right. uh, sort of cognitive clinical therapy. Um, and so, yeah, so two years of the most extraordinary, daunting, overwhelming, invasive, you know, such intense work uh, to get myself back to a point where I could take basic steps mm -hmm. every day. And then there was another 12 months after that of the same level of work to get me to a point where I had a, a fairly solid understanding of what I wanted my life to look like and what direction I wanted that to go in. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as part of my recovery um, in that first two years, around about the 12-month mark into that recovery, um, uh, one of my advisors that I was working with uh, discovered that I had a, an absolute terror, a, 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 you know, a very significant fear of journaling um, because as a perfectionist, uh, I'd never written anything personal down about myself because I was terrified it could be used as evidence uh, right. that I wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. So I'd avoided journaling for my entire life. Um, and, of course, as soon as, you know, uh, um, anyone in this sort of a psychological <laughs> environment finds out that you're terrified of something, uh, it becomes homework. Mm -hmm. So right. yes. <laughs> you're now going to have to journal. <laughs> so I think it's a good idea that you start journaling. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that became a project for me to, to help me to try and overcome that terror. And around about the same time, um, I had just started putting my toe back in the water uh, with going back out into social situations and, and sort of integrating back into it you know, a normal social life. Mm -hmm. um, and people hadn't seen me for, you know, nine to 12 months. And mm -hmm. they're, they're sort of saying, well, where have you been? What have you been doing? Because they, they, really, they really had no idea that I'd been unwell and, you know, I'd had all this stuff going on. And, right. And um, because I was still so fragile, there was very few things that I could talk about because 
if I talked about something that was even remotely emotional for me, I would just cry. And, for, and you know, being in, in a public place and all of a sudden starting to cry and feeling like everyone's looking at you can be very, very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So I had to be, I felt like I had to be really careful about what I could talk about. Mm-hmm. And journaling was one of the few things I could talk about that, um, you know, didn't seem to have that massive trigger effect. Mm-hmm. So people started saying, oh, well, what are you journaling about? And, and so I started talking about some of the topics I've been writing about. And, and you know, they started saying to me, oh, wow, you have to turn this into a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the world needs what, what you're talking about. Right. Um, and so, of course, that became the next big overwhelming, I can't do this, this is just out of control and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. But actually what it did was gave me a project to focus on. Okay. Because I'd gone from having a highly structured life, mm-hmm. you know, very disciplined, um, you know, very structured, very scheduled. Mm-hmm. And then when I collapsed, I went to the opposite end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and, and the pendulum swung so far the other way. I, there was no discipline and no schedule. There was, mm-hmm. there was no, I had nothing to, to, nothing that I had to do, nowhere to be, mm-hmm. nowhere to go. Um, and so this almost brought me back to the middle mm-hmm. of that where I had a project I could work towards and I could actually use that project to um, really recreate what I wanted my life to look like and, and get a little bit more discipline in without it completely overpowering and, okay. and all of those sorts of things. So, um, I, you know, I wrote Keep It Super Simple and it really was part of my recovery. It really helped save my life. Um, and then the more that it got close to actually being completed, the more people saying it has to be published, it's got to be published, mm-hmm. you have to get this out into the world. So I did publish it. Uh, and then all of a sudden I found myself, um, you know, being contacted, you know, right. could, can mm-hmm. you speak for us? Can you do this? Can you do that? And so then all of a sudden um, Chic Life was born and I became an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that, accidental <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> so it all just sort of happens. But then I think once I, once I realised that, um, you know, this was a business and mm-hmm. that I was serious and really passionate about what I wanted to be doing uh, and the way I wanted to be doing it, mm-hmm. I, I really started taking it seriously and, and absolutely understood that there is so much of my experience that I can take to the world and that people can learn from so that they don't have to have that traumatic event in mm-hmm. their life before they, they can actually easily make, make change and live their life really differently. So that's how she life came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it is so true that in many times we don't make these major changes until something major happens. Um, mm. You know, whether it's that we get ill or someone else gets ill in our life or divorce, lose a job, you know, all these various things. And, you know, and then we're, we are really just thinking, okay. Now what? Um, you know, and, and I was the same way. People who have listened to my program a lot know that I was diagnosed with cancer three years ago. You and I joked before the program that when they told me that, I said, I'm sorry, that's not on my schedule. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I basically had the same reaction that you did. You know, I'm, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take the half a day, we'll fix this, and, and it will go, you know, it will, and then mm-hmm. we'll just get back to life as normal. And my initial diagnosis was stage zero. And so this this really was, hey, you know, this is going to be something that's very easy to treat. 
you know, we did some of the preliminary tests. They all kept saying, oh yeah, you know, easy, easy, peasy, peasy. And, you know, folks, when somebody tells you something's going to be really easy, danger, danger. Sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, and part of my problem if we want to call it that, is the fact that I worked for an oncologist for a couple of years and I worked for the American Cancer Society for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, you know, I know just enough to really be dangerous. Yeah. And so when they would tell me stage zero, I was like, oh, hey, you know, it's such a deal. And, you know, and, and so then I, you know, I, I go through some of the things and, and uh, the, the uh, health system here that I am part of for, for this treatment releases your uh, test results online. Now, the doctor is supposed to, to approve that, and somehow mine got released without her seeing it, <laughs> and so, you know, I'm ready to, to go back in and see her, and, you know, and, and this, this, uh, you know, this thing pops up, and the word metastatic just jumped off the page at me, because with my, you know, knowledge of cancer, I knew that word meant spread. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a little bit more difficult. So again, you know, I'm still thinking easy peasy, blah blah blah. And you know, what happened with me was I had a complication that you know you you kind of had an emotional breakdown. I had a completely physical breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one treatment, uh, one chemotherapy treatment, and spent the next seven ish, a little bit over that uh, weeks. <laughs> seven weeks in the hospital and in outpatient facilities um, because I had major complications, major surgery. They discovered that, oh, yes, the cancer had indeed spread. So we went from stage zero to a stage four diagnosis. So, you know, I really skipped those, those fun things. But, you know, and, 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 but same thing. You know, you go from thinking my life is going down this path and then you get completely diverted. And... To me, in many ways, it has been a blessing because I was forced, <laughs> you know, really mm-hmm. literally forced to make these changes. Um, and, you know, same with you. You know, you had to make those changes. You didn't have any other choice. And what I love about what you do and, and your books is you're trying to work with people to, to, to get them to make those changes on their own. (laughs) And to see that life can be simpler, that we don't have to go 900 miles an hour. Um, And, you know, so it's, it really is something. And as you said, it's in many cases, it's simple changes, Um, Mm. you know, and, and so let's, let's talk about a lot of this because it is, you know, I think for many people and especially executives, as, as we've been saying, you know, and, and I don't care, you know, if you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, whether on purpose or an accident, um, mm. you know, b- executive in a big company, all these things. I think so many of the things apply that, that you talk about in your book. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the first thing that really struck me is that the acronym of your book. So it's, it's KISS. Yeah. For you, it's Keep It Super Simple. Yeah. Here in the States, we say it a little differently. We say, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And, and what struck me when I was reading one of the chapters of your book, and, and it's one of the first chapters because it is, of course, one of the most important, is that inner voice that we have that tells us, you're stupid. You can't do this. You know, all these various things. So talk to us about that little inner voice, the mean girl, as you call it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was, um, I think, the biggest part of my recovery and and certainly the biggest part of, of my life and the simplicity of my life mm-hmm. now was really learning to fall in love with self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now that I understand just how important that is, it's a it's a big part of what I do. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that go, "Oh wow, I could never do that." You know, self compassion means selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of a lot of that in the training around uh, how we're conditioned when we grow up. Right. Um, if you do anything for yourself first, or if you put yourself first, then you're selfish or mm-hmm. narcissistic, or some of these you know other words that get thrown around. And I think um, to combat that and to make sure that we don't go down that path, we develop this inner voice that keeps us in place. Mm-hmm. For me, certainly, it was about um, making sure that I stayed small mm-hmm. because if I wasn't small, then I wasn't noticed. If I wasn't noticed, then people couldn't, people couldn't see if I did something wrong or if I didn't get something right. And so that therefore, you know, was fueled by the perfectionism. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the important thing too is that perfectionism is my thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and yes, there are a lot of people that suffer from perfectionism, but there are also a lot of people that suffer from different things. We all have our stuff that we work through. We right. all have our stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, is ours to deal with. Um, and I think the, the, the book, is definitely written in a way that you, it just helps you work through whatever your thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, the tips from a recovering perfectionist is really a, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek for me, just reminding me that, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I don't mm-hmm. have to actually wear that hat anymore um, and, and be driven by these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, that inner voice is critical to how we go through life, the way that we speak to ourselves, and even just the way that we stand in mm-hmm. our own life, um, you know, and it was it was really fascinating for me, um, you know, in that initial part of the breakdown, and probably for the first twelve to eighteen months, um, I was very coordinated, you know, very very good at, at all sorts of different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that happened to me with my breakdown was that I actually experienced my entire lifetime's emotion in two years. Wow. Um, so the, the intensity of that was severe. It was really mm-hmm. significant. And what that did was it really affected my dexterity, mm-hmm. my coordination. Mm-hmm. So I would pick up a glass and my hand would just let go. I, I, it, the emotion that it, it was fueling through my body was so intense that I couldn't actually control the, the you know, those muscle grips and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And so, though that you know, that's really, I think, when I started to notice just how nasty I was to myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I'd drop you know, a, a twenty-cent glass on the kitchen floor, and it would be like the world had ended. Right. I was so, you're a klutz, you're dumb, you're an idiot, yes. you're stupid, you're all mm-hmm. of these sorts of things. That was the voice. And I realised that actually that is how I spoke to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you overlay a bit of a, you know, a jocular, funny uh, tone to it, actually you, you're really serious when you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I, I realised that I used to do it to deflect. So I used to do it so that people wouldn't 
have a go at me. It's like I got in first. Right. Yeah. You 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 criticized first, so then no matter what anybody else said, it was like okay, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So um, I actually really had to learn to come in really quickly and interject over the top of that voice with something really loving and positive mm-hmm. um, and something almost soothing um, because I was so nasty. Um, and, and I often joke now that I've sent my inner bitch off on the world, around the world trip mm-hmm. uh, and she's off having a wonderful time and, right. and while she's off having a wonderful time, she's not impacting on my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I actually had to approach it from the point of view of actually really coming to love her as well mm-hmm. because, because that inner voice is a part of you. Right. And you can't just separate from it. You can't make that inner voice wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to really uh, accept and acknowledge all the parts of you mm-hmm. before you can be whole. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing that I'm finding now is that people are really lost. They've really lost their way and, and lost their ability or their understanding of who they are and I think that is a is a massive driver behind how we get ourselves to where we are in our lives because we actually can't look at ourselves in the mirror, look ourselves in the eye and know who's looking back at us. And mm-hmm. that's terrifying. Right. You know, and that the inner voice is just, you know, as you said, we all have it. And and again, it doesn't matter male or female. And and it, it you know, you questioned in your book and I was wondering too, what is it called in a guy? You know, we've got the mean girls, but you know, but, you know I just call it everyone's inner bitch, right? Yes, yeah, we that's all it. Have it. Yeah, we have it. And you know, for some people, and, and it starts early. I mean, you know, I, I it yeah. really does start pretty early when we're, you know, you know, very young children. For some people, they do have a parent who is saying the negative things to us. Mm-hmm. But for the majority, I, you know, I, I really don't think that's the case. I think we have parents who are loving, who are supportive. We have teachers who are, who are doing that, all of those various things. So then, you know, it, then we do. But we develop this weird little nasty mean girl. And sometimes we're joking, as you, you mentioned, but... Sometimes we are really serious, but it's always there. You know, the, yeah. the other day, I, you know, I always wear, I, I love to go barefoot, but I have mm-hmm. learned okay. that, you know, I, I have to have at least some type of shoe-ish thing on my feet because I've broken two toes from bashing into things. And so, of course, that little, that little inner voice goes, yeah, because you're so klutzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I you know, wear some type of shoes. And so my big thing was the 99 cent flip-flops, mm-hmm. you know, very mm-hmm. supportive, right? And so twice... I fell up the stairs. Now, the good thing was I fell up the stairs. And so all I did was, you know, bash my knees and, and you know, be glad that nobody saw me. But, oh, that little inner voice just mm. went, you know, oh, my gosh, you're so klutzy. You're so stupid. You know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, and then the adult voice said, go get better shoes. Um, <laughs> and, so practical. Right, right. You know, and, and so, but we do have those voices. And, and those that little voice... I, and I don't know why it's there. Like I said, you know, we, we had support. We had all these people who were telling us, hey, you're great. But we have that you can't do this. And, and you know, I see this in particular, especially with entrepreneurs and small business owners. You can't do that. You're too stupid. You don't know how to do it. 
And so then we counteract it by really overcompensating. You know, we think, okay, we have to do it all. And that comes back to, you know, what, what you're talking about. You know, as the small business owner, we think, well, I have to do my own website. Even though I've never done a website, I have to do my own website. I have to do my own invoicing. Um, and part of that is, you know, there, there are some practical reasons. Hello, outsourcing costs money, and sometimes we don't have that. But, you know, there's certainly ways around, you know, some things like that. You can do barters. You can do, you know, all sorts of things. But, you know, and, and then we do get caught in that we have to do it all and we have to be perfect at it. Mm. Um, you know, I was giving a class the other day and I told people, I said, you know, when you are posting as your business and you're posting on social media, you can't have typos, you can't have grammatical errors, you can't have all those things because that's a reflection of how your work is. Mm. And, you know, it's okay to, to know that, but then when that mean girl says you're too stupid to even spell a word right, that's where we get caught. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the things that, that I was getting out of your book was the fact it's, it's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with means, and there's nothing wrong with you when you say, I need help. Um, you yeah, know, and, but I think and, also mm -hmm. it's, it's some of those things, it's really cool to just come up with little rebuttals. Mm -hmm. So almost, you're already having a, a conversation with yourself in your head. Right. You might as well make it fun. Uh -huh. So, so you know, where you say, oh, you, you know, you're so dumb, you can't even spell right. Mm -hmm. my, my response to that would be, no, I'm so cool. I get to make up the spelling of my own words. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, or as a recovering perfectionist, I'm okay with that being spelled wrong. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I often have these little conversations just to, to really diffuse that on the spot really quickly right. because um, I, I just think, you know, if you can actually just fuel love and laughter mm -hmm. at yourself as often as you possibly can, mm -hmm. those voices, they, they really calm down and uh, you influence them. You, you start actually turning them in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating. I use the word interesting a lot. So if something happens and, like, you know, you said I, I put flip-flops on, so then I walked up the stairs, but then I then I tripped on the flip-flop and then mm -hmm. I tripped up the stairs, I'd be going, well, that's kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. Score 10. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just diffuses it completely. Mm -hmm. And when you can diffuse that sort of thing, it drops the pressure out of a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch just how simply you can actually completely turn turn your life around. Right. You know, one of the things that I noticed, and and you know, we I was I was telling you before the program, you and I really are very similar, very driven, very you know, it has to be my way, um, you know, and and all of these various things, and and but also I'm. You know, I'm one of those that it's like, that, what are what are other people thinking? You know, are they going to notice that I'm not whatever it is? Mm. Um, you know, and and so one of the things that I have really noticed and and I have embraced since being so sick is I don't care so much what other people think. Um, now there are there are definitely certain people that I care what they think. Um, you know, and and but for for many people. It's like, okay, I, I've, I have my new word. It's whatever, you know, and, and it's like, <laughs> do I really care what that person thinks? Is my world going to come to an end? You know, all these various things. And, and, and that little inner voice goes, 
whatever, you know, and, and kind of gets the, the whole valley girl attitude type of thing going with the hand, you know, because you got to get the hand going. And, and, and it really does, to me, that has made a big difference is to think, you know, I still want to do it right. I want to do the best job that I can, but someone else's opinion who really doesn't matter that much to me the opinion doesn't matter either, um, you know, and, and that's been kind of hard to embrace because we do want to, to right? We want to do a good job. I mean, you know, let's just be honest because we don't want to do bad work and, you know, all mm. these various things. But when somebody who really doesn't matter is critical, it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, you know, you, you have your own opinion and that's great, but it doesn't matter that much to me. Um, and I have actually said whatever. I've, I've said it out loud to some people. But, um, and, and the really funny thing is every time they've come back and apologized and said, mm. I, you know, and, and so it's, you know, kind of the same thing with your little, little inner mean girl, you know, mm. so I fell up the stairs, whatever, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I had a typo in a post. Okay. Did the world come to an end? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe it is because our worlds came, clo- came close to coming to an end that we realize, okay, it's really not that important. Um, but, you know, we don't want people to have to get to the extremes that, that you and I have. And, and that, again, is, is why you've written the book, is to show people, you know, you can make these changes. Um, you know, okay, this was one of the ones I love. I actually highlighted it. You, you very kindly sent me an e-copy of your book. And so I highlighted this mm-hmm. in my e-version. Mm-hmm. No is a complete sentence. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, oh my God, I love that. That scene even made me squeak. Um, <laughs> t- talk to us about that. Why is no so important? And why is no a complete sentence? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we get caught up in is uh, this need to prove our worth. Uh, and we do that by making ourselves everything to everyone and doing Mm -hmm. everything for everyone around Mm -hmm. us. And as we get into that habit and into that mode of life, uh, we end up just saying yes to everything. And then we find ourselves in this position of complete overwhelm and stress and exhaustion because we are just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. Mm -hmm. Uh, And before we know it, our entire life is full of stuff and other people's stuff that we don't enjoy, we really don't want to be doing, mm-hmm. and in fact it's just making us miserable. Mm-hmm. So then we start thinking, oh, I need to do something about this because I'm, you know, this is really making me unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, so how am I going to fix this? Well, I'm going to have to start saying no to things. And that in itself just makes people, you know, dissolving, you know, fits of terror. Right. Um, because if we say no, people might get angry. They might correct. think that we're not, you know, we, we're not important. All these various things. Yeah. Back to, you know, you're, you're being selfish, you know, yeah. all these things. Yeah. So then, you know, you, you take a step and you start to say, uh, well, actually, I can't do that. And then we go, because... And right. then there's this big, long reason justifying why we can't do something. Mm-hmm. But actually, we just create a hole for ourselves that allows people to just put pressure back on us to step mm-hmm. back in and say, well, actually, yes, I can do this for you. Mm-hmm. Or we create 
pressure for ourselves and convince ourselves why we need to step back and do that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Most people, though, have completely cut off their thinking when you've said, no, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So if you just learn to say, uh, no, I can't do that or thanks for the invitation but I can't attend and you just leave it short and sweet and mm-hmm. it becomes no and leave that as its complete sentence. Right. And we don't need happen. to give a reason or an excuse. Nine times out of ten, no one will ask. Mm-hmm. And it is so uncomfortable for us to do it because we are so enmeshed in saying yes and what will happen to us if we say no and what people will think of us and how they will judge us and criticise us and get angry with us. And we get wrapped up in this big story in our head. And so we have this big conversation with ourselves and then we end up just saying yes because we just can't face the thought that all mm-hmm. that might happen to us. So I always say to people, and I, and I talk about this in the just practice, find something that's not, you know, a massive, big, significant thing, just to mm-hmm. find something little that you can just say, uh, no, I can't do that, mm-hmm. end of story, or no, I can't make that, end of story, and just mm-hmm. let that stand on its own. Right. And a bit tongue-in-cheek in the book, I do say, you know, the first time you do this, it'll be really, 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 and then you're going to want to backpedal and try and find all right. the different ways. Yeah, all the different yeah you're going to do the no but, you know, and, and it's like, but. no, no buts. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> no buts, just let it stand on its own mm-hmm. and, and resist. Do everything you can to just try and make sure that that no stands mm-hmm. and just watch what happens. And nine times out of ten, nobody will batter on it. Right. So then the next time you get to go and say no, it'll just be really, 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 really hard. Mm-hmm. So it's still not comfortable, but it's nowhere near as difficult as the first mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I sort of like to look at it from the point of view of we have decades of training that has got us to where we are. Mm-hmm. So now it's about taking a few simple little steps to change how we do things. Yes, we might fall back into habits because we've got decades of programming that's mm-hmm. taught us how to do that. But it's about being conscious about that and just saying, oh, hang on a minute, I've just gone back down that path and I didn't like that. That's right, I'm going this way now. Mm-hmm. And so you just very gently and lovingly bring yourself back. As long as you don't, you know, berate yourself for, oh, wow, here we go again, I've done that dumb thing. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, <laughs> a little actually, mean girl, here she comes again. Mean girl. Yep, but you've just, you know, you've just got to be really gentle and loving to yourself to be able to just take steps in a slightly different way Mm -hmm. and um you know i think that's probably one of the biggest things i notice now is that people think that if they if they do something different in their life then they're quitting Mm -hmm. and it's it's okay to rest every now and then Mm -hmm. you know it's just doing one thing a little bit differently gives you a rest Mm -hmm. um and you know as you know, just try and make sure that that one thing is really loving and supportive for you mm-hmm. and the difference it will make in your life is incredible. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that we absolutely have to learn is the word selfish is not a bad word. No. You know, because ultimately, if we don't take care of ourselves, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, then we're no good to anybody. You know, and, and so that does mean being selfish. And, you know, obviously there are negative connotations to selfish, and so we don't want to go down that path. But it's okay to tell people no. 
It's okay, you know, to, to say not today, you know, all these various things. And, you know, one of the other thing, you know, one of the other concepts that you talk in your book is that we have to be busy, you know, that we, and, and that's that thing, you know, and it's, whether it's our mental, you know, you have to, to continually be busy, to be successful, to, to be doing things and, and pausing for yourself is not good. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about how we don't really need to be busy all the time. Yeah, I think there's probably two things that are really important around this area. And the first is, um, we really need to be really conscious of just how visible our lives are now. Mm-hmm. You know, now that we've got social media and, you know, here, here I'm in Australia and, and you're in the US and we're having this amazing conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in different, completely different time zones at different times of the day. We're in different mm-hmm. parts of the world, but we're having this amazing, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, our lives are so connected now and, and they're so much more visible than they ever were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as part of that, uh, the, the need to prove your worth and the need to prove your impact mm-hmm. uh, and the pressure that that brings into your life is significant. Mm-hmm. But we need to remember that when we're looking in the social media world, we are only seeing people's A game. Right. They're not, they're not posting the horrible little thing that happened to them, the mean thing that, that the person, in the, you know, that inner voice in their head said. They're not talking about the argument that they have with their neighbour. They're not talking about any of that. They're posting mm-hmm. the, look at my fabulous holiday. Look at the great car I just bought. I've just got a promotion. I've got this amazing concert. I look at the football game I'm at. All of that sort of stuff. And so we then look at that and we just go, well, how come my life is so Right. So oh, my gosh. I have to keep up with them. Such a failure. Mm-hmm. But we need to remember that we're comparing our real life with someone else's virtual life. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I think we get into this, I have to be busier, I've got to have more to post, I've got to have all these things I've got to show so that I can prove that my life is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's just fake reality. Right. There's nothing real about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, then that leads me on to the next, the next thing I think is really important about the being busy thing. There's nothing wrong with being busy as long as the things that you're busy with are a combination of the things that you love, mm-hmm. the things that refuel your energy, mm-hmm. uh, and the things that are really nourishing to you and your soul. Mm-hmm. And I think... The issue that I talk about, particularly in the book around being busy, is that we're just so unconscious of what we're busy doing mm-hmm. that we just don't even we don't even look to see what it is that we're doing. We just automatically on autopilot mm-hmm. go and do things, and we end up doing a, a whole host of things that are just constantly draining from our energy tanks, mm-hmm. and we're actually never doing anything that refuels it. Right. So. One of the biggest things we need to do is actually understand who we are and what we as an individual need mm-hmm. to refuel ourselves every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's about refueling on a, on a mind, body and spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each of us is different. So we all need to work out what it is we need to do for ourselves. Right. Um, so taking that time for ourselves is not selfish, it's actually self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we don't do that, 
we we actually have nothing left to give mm-hmm. to anybody else. Right. You know, and maybe it's that we need to redefine the word busy. Yeah. You know, we think of busy as in frenetic activity right. or, yeah. you know, all these various things. And maybe it's, you know, I'm busy taking a nap. Yeah, <laughs> and totally yeah, you know, and, and so I'm still doing something because, you know, you, you are doing something. doesn't matter what right. you are doing. I mean, you know, you, yeah. if you're not, then you're dead. I mean, let's, you know, and so, right, you know, and, and so, you know, it's okay to be busy. Well, I don't know if that's your computer. We've got some weird thing that some weird noise that just about took us over there. Um, the, uh, you know, I think it's that we've got thousands of miles in between us. Um, you know, we can be busy taking care of ourselves, you know, and, and maybe that's the, the way we need to think of it. And so maybe that is that you've got a glass of wine and you're sitting on your deck and you're listening to the birds yeah. or you are taking a nap. I mean, you know, I, that is one of the things, my energy level is just not what my energy level should be. And I can either push it and push it and push it and then have several really bad days or I can take care of myself, um, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it, what we want to emphasize people is it shouldn't take getting sick to make us do these things, um, you know, and, yeah, and so. Also, yeah. you don't need, uh, so many people have said to me, mm-hmm. it's okay for you because you had cancer. Right. Okay yeah, it's it's the excuse, right? Yeah. You've got an excuse, uh-huh. right? And I'm sitting there just going, no, I was forced mm-hmm. to stop. I got dropped from right. such a height and with mm-hmm. such force that I could not get back up again. Mm-hmm. And when I became conscious of that, I then had to look at everything in my life all mm-hmm. at once because I chose not to do it sooner. Mm-hmm. That is not about having an excuse. That's about having full-on, in-your-face clarity of your situation. Right. And I think what people don't understand about being in that situation, you know, of, of being at the bottom of the pit mm-hmm. and being in the depths of the darkness that is, that is you know, a breakdown, mm-hmm. in its simplicity you are forced, you, you, you are forced to answer one of one of two questions. Right. Do you want to live mm-hmm. or do you want to die? Mm-hmm. That is that is the clarity of the situation. Mm-hmm. And in the moment you have to make your choice. And you actually, you know, you know, I obviously chose to live, but I didn't know what I was choosing when I chose that. Mm-hmm. Because you literally just have a live or die. Mm-hmm. That's your choice. That's the simplicity of it. And so you then Make you know, having made the choice, then you start to face mm-hmm. the long, hard, excruciating climb back to the basics in life. And I think you know, people don't understand that because they haven't been through it, mm-hmm. and they, they think that you have an excuse now to do things differently. But actually, having had that experience, a I don't ever ever want to go back to that again, and, right? Yeah, and B, like, you know, I don't want mm-hmm. anybody else to ever have to mm-hmm. go through that because I know how hard it is. Right. And I understand how easy it is to just do small little things mm-hmm. now by your own choice and you can choose which ones you want to have a look at instead of having your entire life drop out from underneath you 
mm-hmm. and literally being shattered into a million pieces mm-hmm. and then being forced to look at every single piece one by one so you can patch your life back together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, to me, um, it, I'm just so passionate about this now. I just dedicate every day to teaching people there's a different way to live because mm-hmm. I know how easy it is. And so many people say to me when they work with me, if I'd known it was this easy, I would have done this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one of the things is that you can do it one thing at a time. Absolutely, you know, and and, Don't and that's I think where right, you know, and and um, you know, and uh, one of the things that I loved it, and I had to chuckle at this was, you know, one of the things that you talk about is technology. You know, we've been talking yeah. about it. You know, I'm in Atlanta, you're in yeah. Australia. You know, technology is obviously absolutely fabulous, mm. but. <laughs> you, know, mm. you know, it's it's also it has so many drawbacks. Um, and mm. and let's be honest, social media is probably one of the the biggest things, and and um, you know, good and bad. But we get so tied to it. I mean, you know, I all of the studies that show that people, you know, the very first thing that they do in the morning is they get up and they they check their phone. Whether it's that they're checking mail, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, that's you know they're they're in bed doing that. Mm. You know that they're uh, you know all of the a lot of the new technology now has the the night mode that you can put uh-huh. them in because the the typically it's kind of a blue light that they're putting mm. out, and you know studies are now showing that that disrupts your sleep patterns. Oh, so true. instead of telling people put them away. You can now have it set to night mode where it's more of a yellow tone. And I know this because I've said it that way. <laughs> you know, and, and instead of saying, put the darn thing down, yeah. you know, we, we do all of these things. And, and so not only is it that we're attached at the hip. I mean, like, think about, you know, you drive somewhere and you get halfway there and you're thinking, oh, my God, I left my cell phone at home. How am I going to survive all day? And, you know, and, you know. And, and we have to check our Facebook status. We have to check our email, all of these various things. And so one of the things that you talk about in your book is for 30 minutes, and it doesn't yeah. count sleeping, folks, for 30, <laughs> you know, because I, I thought of that. I went, minutes. ooh, you know, I can, I can do minutes. Yeah, you know, 30 minutes go without technology. And I don't care how old you are. I mean, you know, we've we've raised a, a group of kids that you know there are actually medical diagnoses now because they have their their necks are having problems yeah. and you know and and their yeah. thumbs. Yeah. And so you know, for thirty minutes, put your phone down. You know, and 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 just don't look at it. I promise, the world will not come to an end. Yeah, it's interesting. I my phone is. I would say 95% of the time it's on silent mm-hmm. uh, and often at the other end of the house. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Um, I don't, it's not in, I don't sleep with it in mm-hmm. the bedroom. I can't, it actually, I really feel the electronic interference mm-hmm. that's there. I don't sleep well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very rarely set an alarm down. So mm-hmm. um, I, I very easily get, eight hours sleep in it, mm-hmm. um, and I just wake up naturally. If there's something that I absolutely have to be up earlier than normal for or any of that sort of stuff, then um, either my husband wakes me up, mm-hmm. and, and he travels a lot, so sometimes he's he's setting an alarm on his phone mm-hmm. to phone me on that right. house mm-hmm. or even on mobile um, to bring me and to wake me up. Um, or uh, I can 
like the flight mode off and, and the Wi-Fi off and all, everything else off on mm-hmm. my phone and, and it will, you know, in an absolute desperate measure, it will, will be there for the last mm-hmm. resort. But that's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to be, like, I couldn't be without my phone. I was mm-hmm. attached to my hip. I had um, people from all around the world that were texting me and emailing me at all different times, mm-hmm. day and night. Now, I'm lucky, you know, if I even know where the phone is. So... Um, yeah, it's one of those things you have to teach yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it's just, a, it's like any addiction. Um, you know, you become, you cohabit, you right. mm-hmm. you know, And some of it is setting boundaries, you know, not just for yourself, but for others. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that, that I have explained to my clients is I keep regular office hours, you know, basically mm-hmm. eight to five. Yep. And now, you know, do they need to reach me at other points in time? Sure. You know, and, and, and am I checking emails at 1030 at night? Yes. But I, I <laughs> typically don't respond because yeah. the second I respond, then they go, oh, look, there she yeah, is. That's right. And right. the hard part, you know, of course, for someone who is, is like myself and is home-based, people will say, but you're there. <laughs> you know, you should be available 24-7. And I tell them, no. I, you know, and, and my, of course, the, the easy way for me to do it is to hit them where it counts for them. I tell them, if you want me to do something, evenings, weekends, or holidays, it costs you double. And almost always, they will say, oh, it can wait. <laughs> you know, and, and so, but it, it's, it's back to training myself, too. You know, I will glance at the email and then think, I'm going to respond tomorrow. Mm. You know, and, and now one of the, the, you know, silly little issues that I have is my brain doesn't quite function right anymore because of all the anesthesia and things that I've had. So, you know, I, I would forget things. And then, so, you know, I'd forget to respond to somebody's email. So now I write things down, you know, mm. tomorrow do this. So I'm, I'm I, you know, it's, it's still there yep. and I'm going to deal with it. But, but it is about setting those expectations for yourself and for others. You know, if they know I'm not going to respond to them, they can go ahead and send the email or the text or, you know, whatever it is, make the phone call, but I'm not going to respond to them. And mm. 99% of the time, everybody is cool with that. Um, yeah. Now, the hard part is exactly what you said with different time zones, um, you know, <laughs> and, and so that you, you kind of have to adapt and, and, you know, and obviously, you know, there are times where you have to, to do things where, you know, it's, it's a weird time. You know, it's, it's evening for you right yeah, now as totally. we're recording this. But, you know, it, you, you make those adaptations, but, but you decided that was important. Um, that's right. That's and, exactly and so right. that's where it's, it's important. But I've also done other things during the day mm-hmm. so that uh, I'm rested right. for this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's 9.30 at night here mm-hmm. at the moment, but, you know, from 4 o'clock this afternoon I was doing other things other right. than work mm-hmm. so that I was getting some me time and I was refueling mm-hmm. so that I'm ready to go, but also so that I'm not so hyped at the end of this that I can't mm-hmm. sleep. Right. So, you know, it's, it's very conscious decisions around what I do mm-hmm. and why I'm doing it mm-hmm. um, and also how I then look after myself around the, the decisions that I've mm-hmm. made. Right. Yeah, you know, hey, I need to rest because I'm doing this later. Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not rest, but, you know, relax might be the, you know, the, the other term. But, you know, and, and it's, it is, folks, it is about making those simple things, you know, and, and one of them, decisions. yeah, you know, you decide I'm not going to have my phone with me at night 
or, you know, I'm not going to respond to that email or, you know, I, I am, I'm going to talk to myself nicely. <laughs> you know? And, and you might say, oh my gosh, I'm a klutz. But, and then it's like, but I, I know I would have got a 10 if somebody saw that. Yeah, <laughs> or, or the, by goodness, I looked amazing while I was I know, yeah. Wasn't that a spectacular <laughs> fall? <laughs> um, so, Bronwyn, we've only got a couple minutes left. So, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, and tell folks how they can find you and connect with you online. Um, and, and uh, you know, because that's, you know, we really want people to be able to reach out and get your book, get your tips, mm. work with you if possible, if they need to. So, how do they find you online? Mm. Okay, so um, easiest places, uh, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn is under my name, so Bronwyn Shortino, and Facebook and uh, Instagram are under Sheep Life. Okay. Um, and my website is www.sheeplife.com. So Great. that's S-H-E-I-Q-L-I-F-E.com. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to grab a copy of the book, uh, which I'd highly recommend. Everyone loves it. It's had five-star international ratings from uh, international blogging, uh, international bloggers and, and mm -hmm. reviewing companies. Um, and uh, if you're in Australia, the easiest place to grab that is from my website um, or um, internationally you can grab it through um, uh, lots of the big um, um, well-known um, bookstores like Amazon and Barnes okay. & Noble and those Great. sorts of places. And and we want to remember that it's keep it super simple, not yeah. keep it simple stupid. That right. little mean girl voice <laughs> is going away. So it's keep right. it super simple. Yeah. Great. Well, we've got a couple minutes left. So what do you want to, to leave our listeners with? I guess um, uh, probably, you know, I'm, I'm asked a lot um, in different interviews, you know, if there's one thing that I can – that I can tell people is mm -hmm. my biggest uh, learning, if you like, from the experience that I've had, what would that be? Uh, and I always say, well, it's, it's so hard because I've learned so many different things. Mm -hmm. But if, I, if I'm only allowed to say one thing, then it's this. There is nothing that I have in my life now that wasn't easily, readily and openly accessible to me before I had my breakdown. Mm -hmm. I was just too afraid and enmeshed in my life to understand that I could really simply access it. Mm -hmm. And my life now, you know, I, I, was, I was actually writing today because I've got a new book coming out in November and, and I was I'm starting to put the marketing um, program in place today. And I was actually talking about being outrageously happy. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, I love that. Yeah, outrageously happy, you know, um, and, and I think that that was one of the big things that for me that really came out in this next book um, that, I've, that I've written, and that's about, um, you know, how happy I am now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably the biggest thing that most people who knew me before will say now is just how well and happy I look. Mm -hmm. And that is such a massive difference to live your life from that place instead of from tired, stressed, exhausted, no world. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, my life now has so much purpose, uh, so much vision and, um, you know, on such an amazing scale, working globally and um, in work that just fuels me and, and inspires me every day. Uh, and it was all available to me before. I just, I just had no idea 
that I could even look for. Mm-hmm. Um, living life differently is really, really easy. Uh, and you can literally teach yourself how in the time it takes to read my book. Right. So don't be afraid. Just do tiny little things a little bit differently and your whole world will open up in front of you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Bronwyn, I have been having such a wonderful time talking with you, and we definitely have to have you on again so that you can talk about your next book. That will be so much fun. Um, uh, People can find more information about you again at chiclife.com, which is S-H-E-I-Q-L-I-F-E.com. I am Deb Creer. I've been having a wonderful time talking with Bronwyn Shortino. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.